This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, I'm Philip C. And this is The Breakfast Grill. Now, today is World Radio Day and is proclaimed by UNESCO. It is a powerful medium for celebrating humanity in all its diversity and constitutes a platform for democratic discourse. This year's global theme is radio and peace, ever more apt in a world driven with unrest and conflict. And while we extol its numerous virtues, is it out of date, irrelevant, slow and uninvestable? To challenge these assertions, it brings me great pleasure to introduce our guest today, a.k.a. Boss and founder of BFM 89.9, Malik Ali. Welcome, Malik, to the studio. Is it your first time to the studio? Um, No, this actually, when we, uh, this particular studio, um, I think it's the uh, second time because the first time when we launched, um, sorry, when we first came to this building. Uh, I think that was 2018. I did one as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Now, let's just get straight into the business of radio. Okay. What kind of profit margins does one get in running a radio station in Malaysia? Well, it used to be about in, uh, in the excess of 40-50%, right? Wow. Uh, in the days, the good old days of, I think this, we're talking about the uh, the mid-2000, uh, sorry, 20, 2010 onwards, right? I mean, radio peaked really, revenues peaked at 2016, mm. uh, where we did, I think, about 470 million as an industry as a whole. Um, so I think, um, but now I think you can eke out, eke out a quite a, uh, still a decent margins, I think, um, in region of about 20, 20%, uh, in excess of 20%. Is this so, unique just to all radio or specifically to us or so in talk radio? Um, so I think um, the the margins are much higher in music radio, mm. right, at one point in time. And that's why 2016 was such a, a zenith for that, right? Um, and radio is really a fixed cost business, you know, you don't, you you know um, for every revenue dollar that you add above and above your fixed costs, it, yeah. it just flows to the bottom line. That's why you get such high margins in those days. Right? And I wonder, especially throughout, throughout the pandemic, it was a testing time, right, for station because, as you say, the top line for the radio station, which was advertising revenue, plummeted right throughout the pandemic. Yes, that's right. And then there, everything just hits bottom line, right? So, uh, but I said I think uh, most radio stations still eke out a living. I mean, the, uh, except I think you know one or two where if your cost structure is a little bit higher than everyone else, so not a little bit, substantially. And there were some radio stations that were doing that. And some of the strategies was to get, you know, personalities to come on board as as, as presenters. Hmm. You know, we know the recent one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, when when you do that, then you you really increase your cost structure. And when you do that, yes. and, or if you poach, um, you know, poach popular presenters, right? And when you do that again, you you increase your cost structure. And then, and, and then your, your margins get affected. Always the debate, isn't it? Are you selling yourself based on personality or the content? I guess in BFM, it's a balance of both? Yeah, it's a balance of both. And I think um, that's always been the case. I think we, re- I mean, Philip, you're a personality um, in your own right. Uh, so is Shaoning. So it's, mm. you know, so I think for us, um, you know, it's, but it's also balancing it with like, you know, the fact that if, if you're not here tomorrow, um, we would hopefully we have someone to yeah. sort of step in your shoes. Sure. So I think that's a thing. Not to really call the show the Philip C show on BFM 89.9 yeah? yeah so um, so I think that's the idea the idea is that we have the breakfast grill and that's the show and we have various presenters um, for it so at least I think what we're think, saying is that at least have a balance between personalities and content and let's focus on the top line because that's what's driving the business as you mm-hmm. said the cost structure is fixed it's mostly driven by people mm. but the top line is it's advertising revenue mm. uh, are we back to pre-pandemic levels yet in terms um, of advertising no um, I think for pre-pandemic levels I think we're most most folks are still 
um, behind that. Uh, but I think we're we're like halfway or three quarters of the way mm. um, back there. Right? Is it so, unique to BFM or are all other stations, or all other radio stations, are also at the same trajectory as you are? I don't have my spreadsheets yet. I do keep <laughs> spreadsheets on all the radio stations, but I think most are sort of almost like ten percent off. I think uh, along that range. I think the exception is I think uh, Star Media Group. I think they've done really really well. Um, they were always in a, a losing proposition because of a very high cost structure. But what I've seen is that the Star Media Group has actually sort of um, uh, sort of uh, controlled that, and then their revenues have you know, sort of increased. I think they've they've made their Malay uh, radio station Surya uh, more at least um, at least a break even proposition. Mm. So that's what I see uh, from Star. So they have a vast improvement. Can, can you believe it? The profits from radio station in Star as of Q3. Uh, is actually ten times that of the newspapers. Well, I thought I thought that was a very interesting point because you always think, okay, what is the value add of radio? How do you generate return on investment? How do you sell to an advertiser? Yes, you have to advertise on radio because you deliver better ROI. Mm. How do you justify that then to the advertiser? I think it's because it's a segmentation. At least for us, um, you know, it's segmentation. But that person in the car, pretty much in the car. I mean, most of radio listening, at least, uh, is in the car. Uh, at home, you have just so many things, right? You have TV, you have internet, you have you know, YouTube, etc. But in the car, you do have that dedicated or dedicated things. Having said that, I've seen some of the Grab drivers, right? You know, they just play their YouTube you music, yeah, YouTube. podcast, you know, your, your YouTube channel. They play the music channel. I see, I see that. Uh, but if you really want to keep in touch with local affairs. Uh, local happenings and people do. That's that's a sense of community. You want to know what's happening next door, what's happening, you know, sort of in, in the town that you live in. I think radio still plays a very very important part. And then if you add the car with it, then that means you know you almost have undivided attention during that time when you're in the car. So there's a differentiator as live content. I think that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. That if you just play your standard old music, you can easily be replaced or disrupted. But the competition now isn't just radio, isn't it? It's also those YouTube stars. It's also the podcast. Yeah. How do you reconcile that moving forward? Yeah, so I think podcasts will always be there. And and I think podcasts will increase bit by bit. But there is, again, with podcasts, it's not um, a live element, right? Mm. It is, um, I, I do listen to podcasts by only certain times of day. Um, you know, in weekends, I love listening to podcasts. Um, I don't quite, you know, sort of when I'm a busy, I want to have a busy day, I don't have time to listen to a podcast. So I think it really depends on the time of day and depends on kind of like, you know, the sort of um, things that I, uh, on, on a working day, um, definitely live because I need to know what things are happening today. Yeah. And, and that applies to all our audiences as well. But the concern sometimes with BFM is that the revenue stream is very silo, isn't it? It's just driven by advertising revenue. Advertising revenue still dominates a huge chunk of your revenue stream. How do you diversify your revenue stream? Because one can say with other traditional media like newspapers, you have subscription revenue, you have other kind of alternative revenue sources that come through. But the challenge with radio is that it's only just one source of revenue, isn't it? Which is advertising. So you're very much prone to the health of the economy. In such yes, I, I think you can't um, you can't run away from that. Um, you know, even for newspapers, I would say I would argue that you know they do not depend on circulation revenue. Mm. You know, and that's why they are you know suffering as they are. Um, but yes, but the, I think the diversification does happen, but not in terms of the types of revenue. Um, sure, you can try to do audio subscriptions, but it is going to be a long, long journey. And I think Malaysia is not Malaysia and South Far Asia as a whole. It. Yeah, I mean, you know, even you want to subscribe to, you know, subscribe to you. I mean, how many people subscribe to YouTube? How many people subscribe and, and have ad free, you know, ad free services? Um, so, um, but we, there is definitely um, potential in diversifying advertising revenue. 
Um, so we're talking about uh, digital advertising revenue. Uh, so you diversify not just into sort of you know advertising on radio, but advertising on our other digital platforms. Right, platform diversification. Yes, then. I guess that's a very interesting point because one of the big challenges and moves that uh, BFM did pursue was your, you've opened a Chinese language platform, Chinese. Yes. Yeah. How is that performing? Um, it's it's doing reasonably okay. I think in terms of just um, um, is it profitable? No, it's not. Um, I think we is still in investment mode. Mm. Um, I think we're at the stage where um, you know we like to prepare. Um, you know, it's, it's about building audiences, and we have, well, and we have built that uh, over time for the BFM, our digital channels, our you know sort of our, our TikTok channels, our uh, Twitter channels. We build audiences um, uh, there, but we have. We, I think we're at the sort of that's that sort of nascent early stage. Uh, thing for Chai Chin as well. So what is the payback? Because as you said, right, the cost structure is fixed. Yes. You know, you're not going to move very much. There's not much capex to, to be set for, uh, you know, expanding the platform. Yep. At what point do you say, okay, let's call it quits. It's not working out anymore. Hmm. What point do you say, okay, it's not worth, let's just stop, stop this programming going forward? I think if, you know, if we um, if we are, unable, we are unable to build audiences in like a five-year time frame, and I say digital is a five-year time frame. Mm. Uh, because you really need to do. I mean, if you look at um, uh, some of our digital initiatives, I think we started them a long time ago, but only with um, with you know bringing in talent and or you know sort of utilizing existing talent to actually say focus on this area. Uh, we've we've only, we've seen results in the last you know uh, eighteen months. You know, and pandemic really helped it as well. So that that was investment. That was I mean, we had digital since day one of BFM. We're talking about fifteen years ago with our podcast. But how do we monetize it? Really, you know, not easy, right? Um, so, uh, but now with platforms coming in, I think we're monetizing it through, you know, through advertising on our apps, uh, coming in and um, be part, being part of our social media uh, conversation. You know, we we include you in our posts, but in a very sort of not in a you know sort of crass advertising way, but in an explanatory. Uh, explanatory way. Uh, yeah. Those are the kind of things that we do. Worth pursuing a Malay language platform? For sure. I think uh, Malay uh, Malay has huge potential. A lot of it's entertainment oriented. But I've seen some moves. I mean, there are some... I've seen some moves towards sort of uh, non-entertainment oriented. Um, because you're not thing. first mover now because there's so many people who have pursued it. And especially especially for Malay business, yeah. actually it's proliferated so much on YouTube. Yes, that's right. And I think, you know, you have Media Prima coming up with, you know, uh, repositioning some of the stations, uh, one of the stations into Bulletin FM. Um, you always had, uh, I was fascinated by Ikim. Uh, yeah. with, uh, Ikim, I, I think that's a real, um, I mean, if if you were to say to me what radio station um, would sort of, I would love to get involved with, I think it would be something like Ikim, believe it or not. Um, uh, but it's it, because positioning, well, it positioning, yeah, the positioning, so, yeah, differentiation, the positioning yeah. is so perfect. I think, you know, it's like, you know, it's so like there's a real audience, right, that you're targeting. You know. So I think the biggest challenge is margins. As you said, healthy 40, 50%, eroding to 20, 30%. Yep. Advertising revenue, you said, not yet back to pre-pandemic levels. But because your fixed cost structure is your people, you're seeing a lot of pressure to retain talent and attract talent. So margins are going to further erode, isn't it? Do you expect us to be a non-investable business in three, four no, years No, I time? don't think investment is going to be, I mean, margins going to erode. I think because as it's a fixed cost business, mm. over the main... I guess the main work are people like in our team, like Sonia and and Janie and this uh, and our sales team, sort of to drive our revenue from where we are right now to you know X, uh, plus twenty five percent next year, plus twenty five percent again the year after. There is a there is a theoretic theoretical ceiling uh, because you can't flood the radio stations with complete ads, um, so completely with ads. So I think, um, but we still have some ways to go. Is the pressure not the top line but the bottom line, i.e. to retain talent? That's the biggest issue, isn't it? Because with BFM, you have to find the right talent that can have the conversations on content at the same time. You know, as you said, just know the tension of if someone moves 
on the whole mixture of personality and politics versus the actual uh, being loyal to the programming? How do you reconcile that? Is it one of your biggest challenges? I think it is a challenge, but it's manageable uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, talent is, you know, it need, we need to, you know, get along and we need to for, like, have a have a common purpose, right? Um, but um, some, but we do, we also do other things that help align the interest of the talent, the person, uh, the talent, and 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 the station. I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm very clear, uh, 20% of our EBITDA, uh, our profits uh, um, before tax, um, is um, is allocated towards bonuses, right? And that is, uh, I think, whether we earn, you know, whether we earn zero, one, or 20, it is 20%. So, you know, I think in a sense, we try to at least align the financial side. And then the rest is about aligning our common purpose and aligning, you know, um, the goals of the station, which is you know, sort of building first world Malaysians, um, to your own goals. Uh, how do your goals fit with that? How do our, our, the people at the station work with that? Yeah. All right, we're going to take a short break. And after that, we probe Malik beyond the bottom line in building first world Malaysians. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. Welcome back. It's World Radio Day and I have the distinct pleasure of having the shortest career in radio by interviewing my boss, Malik Ali, as we celebrate World Radio Day. Now, Malik, we started the earlier conversation on how the pandemic affected the business. Was the pandemic the biggest crisis BFM ever experienced? Um, probably um, the second uh, second crisis. What I mean, was the first? Uh, because pandemic is actually financial and, and internal. They were just, mm. this, there's a common external factor. But the internal fact, but actually, it's about finances. It's about and it's about in, we can ma- things we can manage internally. Um, what is really tough is where your where your your existence is dependent on discretion of other people, right? And that's when we I think when we um, we had our renewal um, of our license came up in twenty seventeen, and that was a nervous period um, mm. simply because I think we you know we didn't know I think the powers that be were not were not you know we get, we got we got called in into um, the regulators MCMC. Uh, for I, for what we know, I mean, I, I, the, the hand, their hands were tied. Uh, they were there to be sort of like you know um, the guard dogs of the of the relevant minister in charge at the time. And and I think we were put under basically um, you know sort of said the renewal of license. We we didn't get we didn't get yeah. a firm answer one way or but, the other. But you expected it, isn't it? When you decided to invest in talk radio, I mean. Yeah. You know, we in the station here, we're committed to speak truth to power. We are here to enlighten and, you know, shed light on areas which are dark. So we have been in the pickle, the new non-renewal of license being threatened multiple times, right? Mm. Ever thought of shutting down the station? No, not not really. I think the, um, the, the, real, the real issue was what was plan B, right? Mm. Um, we've always had that in mind. I mean, the edge was banned, right, uh, for, for, uh, for two, three months. Um, so that's that's an, a classic example of an overreach on authority. The judges agreed with that, um, um, and and you know they were compensated for it. But nevertheless, it, it really impacted the business. So we know, uh, we know that would, that is a you know that is a, a risk factor, right? But do you cower and just kind of like oh say um, oh, no, don't don't do this or don't do that? Actually, no. Um, the good news is that unlike the bigger media organisation, and that's why people like the Edge, like BFM, are able to do this. Is that we are the shareholders? Um, you know, if something happens, Malik Ali, uh, Malik Ali, Malik Ali, and his and his and his investors lose the lose the thing. We don't have public shareholders to talk to, sure. which is just us. Yeah. And do we want to pursue a particular agenda? For sure. I mean, you know, let's. No, we do pursue a particular agenda. Agenda is transparency, uh, good governance, and, and and but we are able to determine our own. 
risk. We can we can take yeah. on our own how, risk. How do you differentiate agenda versus bias? Because I know a lot yeah. of listeners are asking us about the questions about how do you distinguish between being able to uncover the truth and talk about the truth versus you know having a clear agenda or even bias. Okay, so that's the first. That you said that you said it exactly right. Yeah. Uh, discover the truth. And that that is that what we we aim for. That's the agenda, believe it or not, right? Now, is there bias to it? Possibly. I mean, every you when when you come to the table here, uh, when Shaoning comes to the table here, you guys have your own individual biases. But I think listeners are, are, are you know, are, they're they're experienced people. They know where, where you're coming from. They know they probably do a Google search on you, find out your backgrounds and so on. And so they know when you're coming from. It happens in any. Mm. Any human human negotiations, any business negotiations, people do come with agendas and biases, and you know, you know, let's not underestimate Malaysians, right? And it's always a big challenge, right? I, I I can imagine here in the station so many tensions about how do you reconsult editorial integrity versus perhaps revenue opportunity because we are a business station in the end and we have to run on the PNL. Yep. There must be times when you know one of us asks us a very tough or truthful question to a potential advertiser on a breakfast grill, right? Yep. Are the line are there lines drawn? Are there commercial boundaries there? No, actually, no. There are no commercial. There's no lines drawn. Um, I think we, you know, there are techniques in which we kind of like say, like, you know, if if if, for example, you know, we're 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 pursuing an, an advertiser, right? And you know, and there's an edit. We know there's an editorial call coming in. We sometimes say, look, let's have. A bit of like, give, let's give a bit of space, right, between the advertising component and the editorial component. But that's sometimes a grey area, isn't it? Oh, for sure. I mean, you yeah. know, it's um, we depend. You know, it's, we're not like BBC where money comes from license fees, right? Uh, we do depend on advertising, but I think we're able to do it. I think sometimes we one of the um, clear things that we can do is to kind of like, you know sort of you know, label something which, which is an editorial label label it as an editorial, right? Um, mm. And say, hey, that this is, and you know, you know we use we use jingles, we use. You know different sounding uh, things to show that, that hey, this to is distinguish essentially something that is honest and true and truthful versus yeah. an editorial piece. Yeah. And say. you guys, and you guys are the ones that actually push back the most. Actually, when yes. we try to do, if anything that we say, you know, um, I know that I've had conversations, you know, where um, it's not so much advertising, but editorially, some people are a little bit, oh, I said the wrong thing, and I, we've had long conversations about it. And I think, um, you know, you guys actually are the, the the bulwark against, you know, sort of us being very very commercial and going. Uh, uh, this, let's say nice things about this particular thing because it's yeah. an advertiser. Well, I, I don't know. I've been new to the station, right? I do sometimes think that we sometimes in the radio tend to be a bit too self-pontification. We tend to be a holier-than-thou uh, kind of mentality as mm. we try and tell people how they should approach a problem. Mm. But, you know, we've had our fair share of internal challenges in BFM. And, of course, one is that sexual harassment lawsuit that I believe is ongoing. I really don't want to ask you to comment about the case, mm. but I want to ask you whether it's really changed fundamentally the internal culture of BFM. Um, I think we're just a bit more, um, what's the word, alert. I think, um, you know, I think we were um, uh, not a bit more, a lot more alert. Um, we're um, also very conscious. Um, now, now we are quite very conscious of how um, things can can perceive to, uh, to internally for, for especially our younger staff. Um, so I think we're much, much more alert. I think that's the thing. And the other thing is um, not to be sort of... Um, 
passive about it and let when, when things happen, then we react, but be a bit more proactive about it. And you know, inductions we go through when new employees come in, we go through we go through the yes. the book, right? I've been through the book. I've been through the inductions. I I sometimes do wonder to myself whether when BFM was started up, they had that warm, friendly, informal, casual startup, and now it's becoming more professional, a bit more stricter with those guidelines and POCs mm. PCs coming through. Are you eating away in the fabric of originality that many BFMers are very proud of? Then. Um, so actually, no. I think because you you go through the induction and then every, everything else, everything else after that is casual and warm and informal, right? But the induction, you know, I, I know Shamima leads our our induction thing, and it can be be like, "Thou shall not," you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> "Thou shall not," or else. But but after that, right? You've passed through that. We've gone through that, and then you see you see the natural warmth that, that comes through, yeah. through through the people at the station. Well, you know, I've had the immense privilege of working with such an incredible team from multiple belts, and I think the highlight and apex for many people in BFM is GE coverage. Mm. GE fifteen was definitely a huge summit of one's broadcasting career here. Help me contrast how the station thought about it, right? The political coverage from across the multiple GEs. Um, I guess um, uh, the approach, we've always wanted to take uh, the same approach uh, throughout, which is to be able to, you know, sort of uh, speak, speak, speak truth to power um, and, in, you know, and bring them. I mean, if we can't speak truth to them, hey, let them speak truth to us in, this, in the studios. Um, but always, I guess politicians are very, very busy during that time, and uh, you know, de- uh, ask them to do a debate. It's like, I mean, you know, for the folks who organize yes. a debate, oh, there's so much protocol and this and that. So forget it. So, but one thing we managed to get through that we haven't managed to get through before was to have um, what we call um, um, access for p- political parties to do party political broadcasts. So we've actually said, look, we've allocated free airtime for every political party of significance, right? Uh, to to do a party uh, to do uh, you know I think a minute a minute's worth of what they want what their policies are yep. so I think we've we've introduced that I remember introdu- bringing this document to um, to our regulators and you know the answer was no you know uh, you're not going to do that right um, but for this particular one I didn't ask because the atmosphere was such that you know and and it was like we we follow the content guidelines actually we follow we follow the content guidelines and that's what uh, I I'm so guided. Um, I'm so guided by our content code, which has been revised recently. I'm so guided by that. And I sometimes wish our regulators, our politicians, would look at the content, you know, look at the content code, because there is this other, you know, there's this other element sometimes that that comes in, and um, which is like, oh, you know what, we're doing section two one one, you know, two, or two one three. I can't remember what it is specifically, but you know, we're going to throw that at you. But let's look at the content code as the basis of your 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 prosecutor prosecutorial decisions, right? Sure. Well, speaking of politicians, you know, many, many of our listeners are asking, and it's interesting we're doing this interview on the day our former health minister, Kairi Jamaluddin, mm. is now starting his gig as a radio presenter, but unfortunately not with us. Yes. Would you offer him a job to replace me? Uh, no, Philip. I think uh, that's, that's uh, you know, we, he does. Now, you talked to us now about bias and so on. Can, can, can you, um, you know, he, there is there an agenda? So there will always be those questions. Being a guest presenter um, for, not, right? for a day or two or whatever it is, no problem, right? Uh, but um, yes. but being that you know, um, I, I I must say, sorry, Kyrie, I must say I'd rather listen to you to you much more uh, on a daily basis, oh, Philip, thank you. than listen to Kyrie. Well, thank you for brown nosing. <laughs> See, it's the other way around, right? And that's a, that's the a situation at the station, right? I'm brown nosing you guys instead. You know, that's that's BFM, right? And I always wonder, you know, for you, what's next for BFM? Because you know, many people ask me, you know, is the station up for sale? You know, what price will you walk away from the station? Yeah. So um, it's, uh, I think, the 
the biggest thing for me is BFM. I mean, people talk a lot about sort of, you know, sort of um, social purpose and purpose of a company. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, uh, in the education institutions I went to, business education institutions I went to, uh, they, um, the, the, the purpose was very, very simple, you know, increase shareholder value, right, um, to maximize shareholder value. But I've always um, not been comfortable with that. Um, my, um, I think there should be a purpose to. The, I mean, there's some instances where that mm. that, that applies. Um, but I like to be involved in ventures where there is uh, a, 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 an over, overarching purpose. And for me, it's building you know first world Malaysians. And um, and I'm so lucky. I'm, I must say, I'm so grateful and fortunate to be involved in a sort of um, in an endeavor. That is that has a, a purpose like that. Yet it's sustainable. I do, we we don't depend. We, we don't depend. You know, we can we can finance it. It can. It's self financing now. Um, so that is just the magic. This 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 sort of magic intersection, which very rarely uh, 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 companies do. Usually, companies have to say, okay, we'll do this. Yeah, we'll generate power, but we'll also do something else to offset our. Our, our, you know, th- that that sort of thing. So I think that's to me the main thing. And Malik, let's hope we continue to build first world Malaysians on the breakfast grill with me, Malik Ali, founder of BFM, as we celebrate World Radio Day. I'm Philip C, BFM eighty nine point nine. The BFM breakfast grill is brought to you by U Mobile five G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.